There are just some singers that as soon as they open their mouth and you hear them sing, you think, my God, that could only be this one person. And that's the situation today with my guest, Ace and Abby. From the moment I heard the songs off of his debut album, Watin, I was struck by the power of his songwriting and the incredible shape his voice gives to these songs. Asen Abbey is on the cusp of releasing his follow-up to Watin, a six-song EP called Here and Now. We talk about it in our chat today, as well as the origins of his name, the reggae songs he was writing as a 12-year-old, and the near-death experience that finally got him to commit to being a musician. Here's my chat with Asen Abbey. Hey, all right. Hey, hey. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Right off the top. I wasn't sure if I should say, hey, Evan, or if I should say, hey, Sanabi. So <laughs> let's just get let's get into that. Either or. I think Ace and Abby is good for 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 kind of uh, ra- radio and stuff, because then, it's like, you know, people are like, oh, who is this? And, and maybe it'll hopefully lead them back to some music. Smart. That makes very good sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Ace and Abby, it is then. <laughs> um, now. Ace and Abby, uh, you grew up with the uh, the surname Pang yeah. uh, that your mother gave you that has that has no connection to your family in, in any way, you learned, um, because y- your, your mother thought that you would have a hard time finding work with an indigenous last name. Um, do, you, do you remember when you, you learned that this was the, the case? Like, when did you find out about that? You know, I, I didn't really ask about it until... Until like down the road, like it must have been kind of just even even when I was like moved to Toronto, like it, it was never really questioned it really. Um, like why why she would have changed the name? Um, yeah, I think it was just when I started kind of really reconnecting and kind of asking questions is is when she she told me why she changed the name to Peng, and even even then I kind of thought maybe. <laughs> the name was connected somehow like i didn't realize it was it was completely just kind of selected right it should have been ace and abby on on the birth certificate um but just chose pang um and i think it just speaks to kind of what what it was like growing up in northern towns and in, in you know when my mom was growing up you know like it, it we're, we're kind of like in these little bubbles in these big kind of metropolitan areas where you know there's just more there's a wider variety of people and there's there's different cultures and different backgrounds and and it's just more uh open that way whereas in the kind of these northern places it can be you know there's much much less of that and that kind of just leads to like misunderstanding and and you know racism and stuff so sure you think that's uh still the case in the northern communities you're speaking in the present tense yeah i think there's just more conversation about residential schools and their their impact on indigenous people in this country. And, yeah. you know, I, I think I see, I see efforts definitely, you know, like I was in, I was in Thunder Bay, which is like where I, where I wasn't during my formative years from, from like eight and, until 19. And um, yeah, you know, I was, I was there last year to play Wake the Giant, which was like a, a, a music festival to kind of uh, welcome new Indigenous students from the North, because that, that was kind of a hub for a lot of uh, First Nations in the North, right? Because a lot of the, even the First Nation I come from, it's it's a fly-in remote community that, you know, you you either fly to or you, you, you drive on these ice roads in the winter, right? So like a lot of these uh, students come down to Thunder Bay to go to high school because they, they don't have schools high schools up there and 
yeah, you know, there's, there's a huge culture shock there because you go from a community of like 300 people where you know everybody to suddenly coming to the city where, you know, the lifestyles are different and, and, you know, and there's just a lot of differences. And yeah, so I went, I went to play this festival, which was like meant to welcome these students and they like half the, half the artists are indigenous and, and they bring in these big headliners as well. And uh, yeah, so there's efforts like that. And and I think just the conversation, yeah, you know, is, is helping. I mean, there's still always plenty of work to do, but when you, when you talk about the plenty of work, that's left to do what what's you know what's what's something that we that an easy thing that we ought to be doing more of or that we've already started doing and we ought to continue uh with respect to this conversation yeah you know i think i think just even even having residential schools in you know history class i didn't i didn't know about them growing up i had no idea yeah and you know and and the impacts of them included in social studies you know what i mean like it's just having these having these things that kind of create understanding you know like i you'd see in thunder bay a lot of people you know there's a lot of indigenous folks struggling with like mental health and, and substance abuse directly related to these schools and then there would be people who just don't understand why these people are in these situations they're just like oh they're just they're they're just native people you know what i mean like and so i think having a greater understanding of of why and why certain things happen def- definitely is helpful rather than just kind of these these judgments that just become generalizations that just turn into casual racism <laughs> big time casual racism yeah. that gets deeply embedded in in future generations yeah now your your grandfather uh Watton yeah yeah now you took his name Asenabi as as your um well you reclaimed the name it really is what it is yeah. now your your grandfather survived the the residential school um was it the Macintosh residential school do i have that right yeah what does it what does it mean for you to to reconnect with your roots through the power of a name like that reconnecting with your your family and your roots and moving forward as an artist being able to kind of take it and and kind of just you know, have there be pride in it is such a different reality than than when I grew up with it. So I think like, yeah, to kind of take it back has has been like a huge part of my my reclamation journey. And I mean, there's a whole thing of like whether or not I actually change it on documents as well, too, right? Mm. I've been struggling with that a little bit, whether or not I need uh, need a Canadian document to show <laughs> tell me who I am, right? Like, I I know who I am, and I and and I'm and I'm kind of having that pride is so so key especially at a time like right now too and i think we're, we you know indigenous people are getting spaces getting access to these spaces that you know historically never really had access to and i think you know seeing people who actually like look like me and you know having names that are actually indigenous names in these spaces too i think are important to show indigenous people that like oh yeah we, we can be in these spaces and we deserve to be in these spaces and and yeah, so you know, I, I think that there's an importance in that too. Just just to inspire people to be like, oh yeah, we I, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I can do anything that anyone else is doing right now. Uh, and I have evidence of that in front of me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. Now you you moved off the reserve at three, is, is that right? And and you were living in Thunder Bay or just outside of Thunder Bay at that point? Uh, it was actually four, four, my grandfather came to visit me in Sandy Lake and my grandfather was just like, Hey, where's Evan? And it was just, they're like, Oh, I, I don't know. And he like went out looking for me and, 
And I guess I was just like, you know, walking around down a dirt road or something. He's like, oh, okay, I guess, uh, I guess I'll take this kid. <laughs> oh, for real? And he like, he like, he's like, all right, I'm gonna take Evan with me back to the. And I went to move with him in the the Paw, Manitoba. And um, so I lived there for not too too long. And then, uh, you know, my my mom moved to the Paw, and then I lived with her. And I think we just lived down the road from my grandfather in kind of this this trailer park. And then we moved from from the Paw, Manitoba to to Winnipeg where we lived for a little bit and then we kind of lived in like these little small towns between Winnipeg to kind of rural Thunder Bay because we, mm. we lived in like uh, Dryden and Kenora. And... I know those towns. Tree planted in those towns. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, stinky Dryden. <laughs> so you've probably been to the Thunder Bay restaurant then. Heck yeah. I feel like I feel like that one closed down now but I remember that one was like every time I'd go there there'd be a yeah, a big group of tree planters there. Yeah, stinky tree planters making Thunder Bay stink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, and uh, but yeah, so I, I moved to Thunder Bay probably when I was uh, closer to, I think it was eight when I when we moved there, and then yeah, went to went to school there, and then went to to high school there, and then eventually moved to Toronto to to go to college. Right. But yeah, I'd say Thunder Bay is definitely the place where I, where I lived the longest. You know, I, I was there for, for 11 years. So does it feel like home, Thunder Bay? I think when I go back there, yeah, it's 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 things change. Things changed a lot. Like there's definitely a lot of new developments and restaurants and a lot of new people. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely interesting, you know, like. You go to like these old haunts or whatever, and be like, "Oh yeah, this this place, this this venue I used to play all the time." And like, I remember going there for for holidays and just being like, "You know, what? I'm just gonna show up there and uh, I'm gonna see who I bump into." And like, you don't see anybody; you just see like, "Oh, I, I know that, that that one person playing cool by himself in the corner." But and I never liked that person back then, anyways. <laughs> I guess you're my buddy now. <laughs> so so yeah yeah no it's it's. Yeah, I go there and I visit visit family. Like my mom, my brother, and my sister are still living in in Thunder Bay there. So when I go up there, I, I usually see them, see a couple old buddies, and then um, you know I try to get outside as much as I can. Mm. I keep saying that, but then I always go in there there in the winter. It's tough to get outside in Thunder Bay in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> now you started uh, playing guitar. Do I have this right? At around twelve, yeah. your brother your brother left home, left his guitar. You picked it up and started playing. Is that is that uh, how it goes? Um, yeah, I started I started playing guitar, and at at the time, like I was just noodling. Um, I think my and writing songs and like very kind of uh, very basic. At twelve, writing songs. I, I can't even remember what I was writing. I was probably writing, but like I probably had a crush on a girl or something. Or, had a... but I mean that's crazy, man. I didn't mean like what were you writing. I thought you were just playing other people's songs. You picked up the guitar at twelve and started writing songs right away. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, was, I mean, I, it's too bad because I didn't, didn't record anything. But I wonder. It would be so cool to have like old mixtapes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have anything. Um, but yeah, you know, my brother when he did leave and and. It's funny because I used to kind of cringe at this story, but it's kind of just a funny story now. But like, it's just like my brother left these Bob Marley CDs. And so like, that's how I learned how to play. And so we, we like my mom would turn on the generator and then I'd listen to these these CDs. And uh, that's how I started writing. I started writing uh, reggae music and 
I moved into the city when I was 15 and I moved into this house of, of other musicians and artists and started this band and uh, yeah, we played a battle of the bands and I remember just yeah being like, we're going to play some original songs I wrote. And then I just like, I sang with like a deep Jamaican accent. And like it was, it was just, it was like so confusing to so many. Oh man, <laughs> so many different cultures happening there. Evan Tang from the Sucker Clan of the Sandy Lake First Nation singing in a Jamaican accent. So much happening. Um, but hey, like that was that was that was like I was living under a rock basically growing up. You know, like we did, you know, we didn't have electricity, we didn't really have like radio or anything. You know, so like I, I. Um, I wrote these songs and, and and I started playing them and I think it wasn't until like oh like a year and a bit later where suddenly like I remember just playing in a park and and like hanging out with some buds and my buddy my my brother's friend came like hang out and he must have been like one of the only black people in the city at the time and like I remember playing a song and he just kind of left and my brother was kind of, just, I was like, what happened? And my brother told me and I was like, oh, wow. Like, that was like, that was the, that was the moment where I was just kind of like cultural appropriation. Yep. That's, a, that's the thing. I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. That's wow. Like, <laughs> no kidding. And, and yeah, it was, it was crazy too, because I remember coming to Toronto and, I, and one of the first things I did is I went to an open mic and uh, I remember there was like, this white guy who had like these dreadlocks and this, this big beanie hat and he's like i'm gonna sing some songs that i wrote and, and he just started also singing with this accent and he was singing about zion and stuff and i like remember just cringing a little bit not at him but at me because i was just kind of like man that was i i i did that before and right. but you know what like it's it, it's it's all about context too and where it comes from like i didn't know at the time i i i, I I listened to these these Bob Marley CDs and wrote music. I I just thought that's what music was. Right. <laughs> you were fifteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry I didn't hear it. <laughs> I've searched. I've yeah. scrubbed the internet. So and I haven't found anything. Yeah. I think I think I think W W five is going to come and they're doing a profile in Thunder Bay. Uh, actually, we're we're heading out today. And I'm just wondering, I'm just like, is this the investigative report you found an old video of that? <laughs> is that really happening today? Are you doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going up there. Today. What is happening? Look, what tell me about that. So W5 is are you up in Thunder Bay now? You're not in Toronto. You're in Thunder no, Bay. No, no, I'm in Toronto right now. I'm, I'm flying out. I'm flying out at like four. Oh wow. Uh, so tell tell me about what, what's about to happen. What are you what are you going to do? Uh I have no idea. It's a profile piece. I I've heard I seen I seen they did one on like hallucination, I think, before too. I think it's right. I think it's just a profile piece. I mean, I don't, I don't believe I have any skeletons in the closet that I, that I know of. <laughs> well, we'll find out, won't we? We'll find out. <laughs> Here you go. It's me, me and a beanie. No, <laughs> but you didn't have the dreadlocks. No, no. Yeah, yeah. You, you had two or three. You had the voice, the beanie, but no locks. I maybe just, I maybe just had one when I used to work in the bush, just from not being able to shower. But <laughs> what were you doing in the bush? Because I. I read that story um, or I heard you talk about uh, being in the bush and falling one winter and falling through the ice. Mm -hmm. You were wearing snowshoes 
and you know you had a pickaxe or, or an axe of some kind but you couldn't pull yourself back out mm-hmm. and you thought you were going to die and had an epiphany that you never got to live out your dreams of being a mu- of, of a musician yeah so what, what what happened what were you doing in the bush and what happened after that epiphany for you yeah yeah i uh well i used to it was it was working in like it was working in mining which i'm i'm still kind of like you know i'm like when you're when you're incredibly poor and then you get these opportunities and opportunities to help out you know you kind of take these jobs and but you know there was certain parts of it i really did like you know aside from like the extraction and destroying vast amounts of land um i did like just being out in nature which was which was nice like a lot of my job was just kind of hiking because you would kind of just create these perimeters in the forests and you know claim the mining rights to them or whatever uh but like a lot of it was hiking and i just remember like I have one vivid memory of just being so far in the north where like we we had to if anyone knows where Thunder Bay is that's like that's like an 18 hour drive north of Toronto and then so there's a place called Red Lake which is like a, a seven and a half hour drive north of, of Thunder Bay and then so we we went there and we took this bush plane north and then uh landed at like this uh flying fishing resort where we rented a boat and then we took that boat up like uh like two hours up these rivers and stuff and that's where we started working and i remember um hiking through the forest and getting to the top of this like huge ridge and like kind of looking over like these just you can just see all these lakes and forests in front of you and just so much land and like nobody around and just being like, wow, like I'm probably the first guy here in a long, long time. And it's, you know, no one's going to be here for a long, long time. And then being in that exact same spot two years later, <laughs> because like, I guess with the job, like unless unless the company that, that bought the rights to that land did anything with it, you'd, you'd have to go back there every two mm-hmm. years to re restake it or whatever. So, yeah, there's definitely like a certain amount of solitude that you had, which at first was kind of is there a bear out there is there uh a... yeah and there are there are bears out there yeah yeah the answer is yes <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like national geographic where you just see them all the time like maybe you'll see them once in a while like uh-huh. but yeah it's just kind of like solitude you just get so much time to just be out in nature and, and have fresh air and, and think um besides being like incredibly exhausted too from just hiking through swamps and climbing little mountains and stuff um that, that was the part I, I really enjoyed about it. It's just really kind of getting out in nature and kind of just really being able to see seasons change, which is something like I don't really, I haven't really seen in the last while because like being on tour and stuff, like like I will I will be in, in Toronto because I live in Toronto now. I'll be in Toronto and then it'll be nice in summer and then I go on tour and I come back. I'm like, it's just all the leaves are gone. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> you left town and they were like well i guess that's it for us too <laughs> i did that job for like almost like six years and um yeah it, it took kind of like we we all kind of had these near-death experiences because it was always other indigenous people or frenchmen i was on was on our cruise because like it was such like a a taxing job physically but also kind of mentally too and so like it took a certain kind of person to kind of just be able to keep doing it over and over and over again and um these near-death experiences were almost like really normalized like people just thought like oh yeah like because 
this tree fell on me and I was trapped under the snow for a while till I could dig myself out. And then we all laugh about it type thing and be like, oh, that's silly. And then, um, yeah, you know, like, and then you'd be like, oh man, you're like a bear charge me. It was insane. And then like, you know, it's just like, I had a couple near death experiences, but yeah, there was the falling through the ice. Um, you know, it's crazy. I've told the story a few times and I, I told the story to global news and like, I, I never actually watched the video the news report they did on it, but they actually did a reenactment video of this whole thing. Oh my god! I didn't realize until like I saw it. I saw it the other day. Actually, there's like a whole thing of the the snowshoes, and the ice, and the no kidding. How close did they get? They they got pretty close actually. Like it was wild. I was like the, like, the production value was was pretty good for news, and um, and so yeah, like I I like fallen through the ice and like. Like I thought I was going to go under and I knew if I went under, like it would be way too thick and everything. And uh, yeah, you know, it, it was just, I think like I've had family members freeze to death. You know, mm-hmm. I've had uh, my uncle, my uncle went through the ice on his skidoo and like, we weren't able to find him till the spring, you know? Oh, and man, so like, sorry. I think, I think just going under the ice and just like having like, you know, like that, that kind of, thing was new uh to my family and just kind of like thinking about that and being like oh man like my family might not find me till next season just thinking like damn like what am i doing with my life and that that's when i finished and i yeah went moved to toronto and was just like yeah i'm gonna try and play music because i made this promise i made this promise out there and like I'm not sure if I was just like really superstitious at the time. And it's like, I made that promise. I can't break that promise I made to higher power. So I got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved to Toronto to play music and then, but ended up going to school for, for journalism at the same time. And so I ended up kind of, you know, plan B became plan A for a while. And I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't stop working as a journalist till last year. So, man, uh, Let's let's talk about Plan A. The, well, the original Plan A for for a bit here. Um, you have a new album coming out, a six song EP called Here and Now. It comes out October twentieth, and it's kind of crazy to me to think that this is just your second album. That Watton, with all the the incredible success that uh, it so rightly uh, had, and adulation you um, you received for it was your debut. You know, you, you were nominated for the 2023 Juno Award for Contemporary Indigenous Group or Artist of the Year. You became the first Indigenous artist to hit number one on Media-Based Canada's Alternative Rock Chart. And this is to say nothing of being shortlisted for the Polaris. <laughs> um, man, what a what a debut. So, you know, with, with uh, the incredible success of, of a debut like that, what kind of pressure are you feeling right now? What for the expectations of the new one? Are, are you feeling lots of pressure? Um, yes and no. I think kind of getting nominated for the Juno and getting nominated for the Players and then just not winning kind of relieved it. <laughs> like, I wonder what Debbie Friday is feeling right now. I mean, like I get the next thing has to be great. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, who needs the pressure of having actually won? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> crushing pressure. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, it's it's like. Yeah, like I think it was it was insane to get the the that recognition and those accolades and and yeah, releasing the the EP because I wasn't even sure if I was gonna put out these collection of songs because like you know since since uh, earlier this year like I've been kind of writing in between being on the road which I've been on the road a lot and so I kind of had just these you know I wrote like maybe three dozen songs about 
kind of uh you know these heartache and love and loss songs because mm. like i was in a relationship and it kind of uh dissolved through the course of being on 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 the road so much and you know this person is is, is still a, a person i have like incredible respect and love for but like you know I, I remember when i signed the record deal and i was like this is gonna like change everything and mm. she was like ah oh, this but this is something you wanted to do your whole life you gotta do it and then you know from from that much support to kind of just like I, i'm just i wasn't able to be there in the way that i was before and 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 so to kind of like you know put out a a breakup album as a follow-up to watson i was kind of yeah i was a little kind of hesitant Mm -hmm. you know i was like the next thing needs to be huge and big and concept needs to be massive and but you know at the end of the day like who who am i really like i'm 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 not i'm not like a policymaker i'm not a spiritual leader and i'm a musician who just write songs about what happens in his life and, right. and and the people around him. And and so, yeah, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to put out the, these kind of heartache songs, um, but, it, but it was interesting too, because my, my ex is also a musician and, you know, she's, we, we haven't really spoken since we, we split up, but I do know she's uh, putting out also a breakup record. Oh my goodness. Even though we're kind of not, communicating directly we're almost kind of communicating indirectly through song which is kind of like an interesting kind of thing that i don't think a lot of people no get kidding to have, man. except unless you're kind of a musician or a, i don't know no kidding <laughs> it's kind of like the opposite of a before that rappers have right yeah so it's like a musician love communication thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's it's really interesting to kind of like i'm really actually i'm happy she she made this record and i'm kind of really kind of really interested to to kind of have both records and, and kind of listen to them back to back and you know, be, uh-huh. it's, it's kind of an interesting thing have you heard any of her songs off this album yet no i've been seeing they, they, they've been like they've been getting teased here and there and i was like when's it gonna oh, drop oh man gonna <laughs> <laughs> oh man no 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 it's like you know art is art than expression and expression and and you know uh i i'm just interested to hear this, you know, there's a certain kind of openness that happens when you write a song too, and yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of, you know, he- hear the perspective. Yeah, man. Well, look, I- I'm interested in in listening to this uh, this mystery album and uh, putting yours on and hers on and filling in the holes in your relationship <laughs> from the outside here. Um, <laughs> now, look, man, you're you're coming east with Dan Mangan soon. Yeah. You you kick it off November seven in Moncton and. You're in Halifax by November twelfth, and uh, you know I'm I'm terribly excited to uh, to see the show, and uh, I'm I'm curious. You, you've you must have been east before. What's what's your experience? Uh, what's your experience been like in the Maritimes? Yeah, I had a really crazy time when I when I came there, like maybe in, in 2019 or maybe it was 2018 too, because it it was um it was the winter. Like my brother was living there for a minute, and uh, he couldn't. He wasn't able to fly back home for the holidays so i decided to go out there and i spent like christmas and new year's out there i just remember having like, the wildest time out there but then like i hadn't been back for a while i think i was there for a prismatic arts festival i think last winter and it was me and uh, i believe sarah prosper uh, who's, a, who's a dancer out there she she opened the show uh, she's like a 
indigenous dancer who does like really awesome contemporary dance um and yeah so i was up there for christmas arts festival um coming out there with dan and i'm really excited to about that dan mangan tour too because i feel like it's going to be a nice a nice wholesome tour you know and like he's he's bringing me on his tour bus which is really nice uh, since i'm opening solo they're just like yeah there's an extra spot here and, and like that's really nice because like usually i haven't done many support tours but i have a lot of friends who have and they're just like yeah man you're you're driving behind the bus all night long and then you're like trying to get some sleep before sound check and then you do that all over again for a month and i'm just like i'm like ooh, and so being able to just hop on the bus and, and sleep is is, is going to be great. And it's been nice. My, my friends have given me all the, the bus etiquette, which is, which is good. What uh, Such as the big one. Everyone is just like, you never poop on the bus. That's, that's the big one. <laughs> that's <And> great. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, you you got to wait till you get to truck stops or something. <laughs> right, I suppose. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that was actually most of the bus etiquette. So just, <laughs> just don't don't eat any food ever. yeah right yeah eat at your own barrel or it's back to the econoline with you <laughs> <laughs> um are you uh are you able to write uh when you're on the road um i don't i haven't written too much but i think like this this i'll probably write on this one you know like i'll probably see if dan might be interested just to sit down Ooh. and write a song either. We, we have like a month together on the bus you know maybe that's exciting I, i'm gonna try and bring like a little mobile rig and to keep busy and yes i'm gonna try and write and try and do more writing like i i have uh i have some ideas on some some different concept records i'd like to kind of start workshopping and and kind of you know start laying out the groundwork for future projects so that's that's great man well look evan ace and abby i'm uh very excited that you're coming east it's been a real pleasure uh being able to chat with you today and uh I anxiously await, as do uh, as do many of us, the uh, the full release of Here and Now, which comes out October twentieth. Thank you. Safe travels north. Can't wait to see the uh, W five profile and see what skeletons we get. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> see you in a month. See you in a month. Evan Pang, Evan Ace and Abby, just Ace and Abby, right? What a guy. I'm such a big fan of. Uh, well, I was a big fan of his music. I still am, but I'm an even bigger fan of him. He's just a good guy, isn't he? And I cannot wait for the uh, the Dan Mangan Ace and Abbey tour to roll through Halifax. Talk about talk about good guys. May as well just call it the Good Guy Tour. Holy smokes! If you're wondering if uh, they're coming through your town, you could uh, go to aceandabbey.com and uh, and find out. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of When We Wake. It is edited, hosted, written, and produced not necessarily in that order by me. Andrew Shaver, uh, originally for broadcast on CKVE 88.7 on the FM band on the glorious south shore of Nova Scotia or at uh, covefm.com. You can listen live every Saturday morning between 9.30 and 11 Atlantic. Want to be in touch? Come on, send me an email. Let me know what you think of the show. WhenWeWakeRadio at Gmail. Find me on Instagram at WhenWeWakeRadio. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening.